0: Welcome to the College Scoops podcast. I'm your host, Moira McCullough, and today we are talking with Christina Wright about college admissions for the class of 2021.
1: Like Harvard had a 50%, 50% increase in early applications. It's not really about you anymore. Like it's just these sheer numbers.
0: This is the College Scoops podcast, and I'm your host, Moira McCullough. We focus on everything college-related, from the admissions process to where to eat, stay, and explore on and around campuses. Our guests include founders, educators, authors, and experts in the college space. Join us as these experts share their knowledge, experiences, and lessons learned to help you have stress-free, informative, and tasty college journeys. Whether it's your first or last child going to college, or you're just interested in going to a college town for a game or meal, we've got you covered. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the College Scoops podcast to get the inside scoops and everything college related and leave us a review. Thanks to all of our sponsors, partners, and the entire College Scoops ambassador team for helping us bring valuable content to our community. If you would like to support College Scoops as a sponsor, please head over to Patreon at patreon.com slash college scoops and sign up as a sustaining listener, insider, or deluxe sponsor. We have exclusive benefits for our members, free ebooks, and even a CollegeScoops care package. Christina Wright is a college counselor with more than 15 years of experience in the college admissions industry. She believes in building strong relationships with students and their families, helping them make sense of what can often be a daunting and confusing process. A graduate of Columbia University in 2003 with degrees in English and art history, she worked as an admissions counselor at one of the State University of New York's campuses And from 2005 to 2007, she was an independent college counselor at a national college counseling firm, helping more than 200 high school students with the college application and essay writing process. In 2007, she moved to the other side of the desk to work as an admissions counselor at Marquette University in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, a role she held until 2012. Christina resides in Milwaukee. Welcome to the College Scoops podcast, Christina. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, we connected, I think we had a student entrepreneur from Milwaukee, Marquette University on our program. And I remember connecting with you, you live out in Milwaukee, you
1: taught at Marquette. Well, yeah, I was an admissions officer at Marquette for for five years. But yeah. (laughs) So I was on that side of this whole journey. But I also I have a master's degree from there. um, So I've been in the classrooms too, but (laughs) so yeah.
0: Even more so, that's why we invited you on today because we, with your experience and expertise having been on the admissions side of the house and now you are helping students and families as they work their way through the college admissions journey. And as we know, this has been a different type of time for students. So first off, can you just share a little bit about yourself?
1: yeah so now uh so i'm a i I guess the term now is independent college counselor (laughs) so i have my own business where i help students of honestly all different ages but you know primarily high school students all over the country really and even from some other countries sometimes too but to help them find apply to and you know hopefully get accepted into colleges that fit them best that's kind of my whole philosophy is helping students find the right fit Um, my mom was a guidance counselor when I was growing up and even at my high school. So I'm from Michigan originally. So any, any camp, any family trip we ever took, we visited whatever campus was nearby. At the time, it wasn't that fun. Not like when you're in middle school, that's not fun. But, but, you know, you realize, oh, this is really valuable. Like now down the line, I think about it, of course, uh, I went to Columbia University where I swam. And then I've lived in California, where I did college counseling. And then I've lived here in Milwaukee for like 14 years now. That's crazy. But I moved here to work at Marquette. And so yes, I did the admission side of this desk. And now I am Solely a college counselor, um, and I have expertise in writing as uh, my major was English, and I've also edited and written for several publications.
0: Wow! So that was the other connection. I think we had two other connections. One, we both went to Columbia. I went for my business uh, degree. Yeah, we mm-hmm. both swimmers. So uh, having been on the admissions side, and given what I think we've seen in the past couple months mm-hmm. with admissions. I know that there were many schools that just had, you know, 30 to 40 percent increase in, in admissions, which was, I think, maybe even surprising to so many people. Yes. So some of the questions out there, so many more students were deferred. And so some of the questions I'm hearing, and I know families are probably wondering and students are wondering, what are some of the do's and don'ts? Or what are some advice that you would have in terms of, you know, writing these letters of continued interest and what to do now with a deferral? And now we have a month or two waiting for final decisions. Do you have any particular advice that you give to your students and families that you would share with us?
1: Sure. I mean, the first thing I want to say about deferrals is that This has been the most insane year of admissions and for highly selective schools, actually probably the most competitive because the test optional wave happened. All of these schools decided to be test optional and that translated into more applications than they've ever, ever had ever before. So the reason even for the deferrals, and I say this to my clients is It's really not about you as an individual. And I know that's really difficult to understand because this process is so personal. But when you're up against, like Harvard had a 50%, 50% increase in early applications. It's not really about you anymore. Like it's just these sheer numbers. So when you get deferred, it means you are a qualified applicant. You actually are but they have all of these other things, these priorities internally in the admissions office that you aren't aware of. And they're never going to share that. Like, oh, maybe we need an oboe player from Montana or we need someone who is a fencer from Florida. I don't know, you don't know those things. So like with the deferrals, it's that they wanna hold on to qualified applicants. And if they say you're rejected, now you are got like that whole group of people is is gone so now you're still in the mix you know they're seeing what's coming in now that now they're all reading the regular decision applications and rereading those deferrals so what you need to do a follow the the directions whatever directions they provide you have to follow those don't do something above and beyond. <laughs> like University of Michigan, they deferred like every, I mean, so many people. And that's, they've done that before, but I think they did it to more people this year. They, they are very clear. Log into the portal. Here's the box. Here's where you put in your your statement of interest. It can only be like 250 words, right? Like follow anything, whatever they tell you. But On the note of what to say, you want to offer new information. So what are your grades right now? I always tell people, talk about one or two classes that you're really enjoying right now. What are you learning in those classes? And especially if those classes are in in an area that you might want to major in, I would emphasize that. So like I've had a student who's deferred at MIT. I said, tell them about your fav- like tell them about your physics class right now. Tell them about what you're enjoying in that, you know, and then also leadership. Do you have new leadership roles? Do you have new accomplishments? Yeah, all these little, all these things. So basically you're giving them new information, but then you also want to reiterate, they are your number one. <laughs> you have to tell them that if I'm admitted, I will come. Like that's, you really want to make that clear.
0: I, I like the whole looking at the classes too, because mm-hmm. if there's a class that you're taking that you really like, that's just going to shine. You're just going to be able to articulate right. how well you're doing, what your interests are, and how that might relate to how you would learn in that new environment.
1: Yes, because they are colleges, any admissions officer will say, we are looking for a love of learning, a genuine love of learning, and intellectual curiosity so that to me is a way to express that to to showcase that
0: you were on the other side too I mean <laughs> somebody who was speaking from experience when I'm sure yes you have a format that students use and when you read those those all get to be kind of the same so like in the seat what made it a particular response stand out
1: yeah and it and it would be things that that show this person is truly interested in our school. So also if you can offer new information in that way about attributes about the college or university that are really meaningful to you and that make it the right fit for you. Because, I mean, really what admissions is about from that side of it, they want to admit great kids into the college But they're also very focused on yield, if this this term yield, so that the number of people that they admit, of those people that they admit, that they yield a high number of them saying that they're going to come in the fall as freshmen. So that's why showing that this is really your number one fit and your number one choice and using that very frank language. I will come. I will deposit. I will come. <laughs> Don't shy away from that, from just coming out and saying that.
0: Good advice. And then when you talk about other things that you should say or not say, you pointed out to follow the instructions. I mean, those are simple things that could get lost. And before you know it, you've lost that opportunity of just keeping yourself a exactly. game. Any other gotchas that you would think when you were in that seat that you saw that you were like, Oh my gosh, they should have.
1: (laughs) I think people, I guess this goes back to the not following directions where people say, why don't I just get like five more letters of recommendation or something? And if a college is not asking for that, if they don't want that, that's just a waste. It's really a waste of your time and the time that you're asking of someone to write you another letter of recommendation. So yeah, whatever, whatever they say you have to do. And like, for instance, University of Miami in Florida, they also deferred a lot of people and they don't want you to send a letter. They don't want a letter sent to the admissions officer. You're not really supposed to do that. So um, now people will do it anyway, of course. So I don't know that it like hurts the chances, but it's just more, they have a reason for the directions that they give you.
0: And are you hearing anything in terms of now, let's say we move to the waitlisted. So let's say you go through the process, you find out then that you're waitlisted. Are some of the tips and suggestions you would have with students in that scenario?
1: Yeah, it's kind of similar, actually, you know, and, and I feel bad for people who go from <laughs> deferred to regular and then to waitlisted, like that's such a long road. Um, but I would just, it, at that point, one thing I would say is reevaluate for yourself. Do I still really care about this school? Maybe I should think about all these other places that really want me and are offering me scholarship money and all of these honors programs, whatever it is at a certain point you might have to say, okay, I think I'm done with this school. You know, I, I I just think, think about who wants you, who wants you instead of the string along being strung along forever. So, but if you still really care about the school, yeah, wait list is the same thing. New information, reiterating the interest, um, following the directions, all of that.
0: And have anything about accepted students days none of this Mm on-campus programming is going on wholesale like with all this each school is kind of handling the situation differently or a campus you and I just talked about certain schools that were opening up for a small number of tours right but others are not so from that sense do you have any guidance that you provide to families
1: yeah that's really hard right now. Um, you're right. Some, it's really a piecemeal um, approach. Like you have to look at each individual school's website, see what do they say. Are they offering very small, socially distanced, masked tours, information sessions, admitted students, events? I'm seeing it more at the smaller schools. The larger schools are not, they're, they're just not doing that. And that's really tough. So you have to look at each school's website and see what they're what they're allowing.
0: And then, in terms of with juniors, I mean, the high school or high school seniors. I have one who's in the same position. Yes, so you're saying you know it's it's everyone has to do what they feel is best for exactly. them. exactly. We all have a responsibility to be safe. And exactly. To um, each and every campus's different set of rules and and it's really hard because this class of 2021 has not had the opportunity to step foot on campus really since at all really I, yeah unless they did it before so i think it's it's really challenging so as a junior you work with you know again if you had junior families that are starting the process what are some of the things you might be telling them that are so different than what you told <laughs> a family oh.
1: I know. I mean, I I am telling people to take advantage of any virtual engagements that you can, as much as it bleeds together, because it does all bleed together. But one thing I can say is colleges do track if you visited the, well, normally it would be, did you visit us on campus? Have you attended an event and things like that? But now it's all, have you virtually engaged with us? And they do track that.
0: So we were talking about trying to use the resources that are out there that are available right now mm-hmm. to the extent that you can. If you're going to campus and the campus is closed, they don't have on-campus programming, what's the method of contacting
1: them to let them know? It's such a tricky thing right now because you don't want to like get in trouble, I guess, because technically you're not supposed to be visiting the campus. One thing that having been an admissions officer, when interested students would email me, That was a good thing. I always tell my clients to email the admissions officer who's responsible for their territory. Because as an admissions officer, you have an area of the country that you in the normal times would go travel to and give high school, give information sessions at high schools, um, attend college fairs, things like that, that in the normal times. But and so then during those, those trips, you would meet all these prospective students, give them your contact information. And it, I always liked when they would follow up with me, then you could tell, oh, this person is truly interested okay. in, in the university. So emailing to, to connect is, is a good idea.
0: Emailing and then still going on the website. Yes. That is truly now your demonstrated interest or your virtual check-in to a college.
1: Yeah. And then, yes, the the information sessions you can attend, like the Zoom information sessions, you have to register for those. And then they know that you were there, so to speak. So... I think you have to do that right now. I mean, that's just, and but one thing I like actually about the virtual, some of the newer virtual engagements are that there are student panel discussions you can listen to. That's kind of nice. Or a departmental visit where it's specifically someone from engineering. I don't know that you can listen to. And a lot of times when you, I mean, I remember at Marquette it would be normal. People would come and do the info session and the tour and then they, they could do a departmental visit if they wanted to. Right. But it makes it for it would make for a really long day and that's okay. But I one nice thing I guess about the virtual engagements, it doesn't have to take up your entire day.
0: And it allows people who who are not in a position to exactly. travel, the access issue, which I think is really important. Yes. To quote unquote attend a an information session that they They may not have been able to in the past.
1: Exactly and so that's maybe one of the weird silver linings is that right it's a lot of money to go travel to see all these schools so exactly the access issue it's great that it's it's helping people get uh, familiar with colleges and connect with colleges that yeah they probably never would have.
0: So from your perspective when you're working with now students looking two years out sophomores or juniors What type of recommendation, especially with the whole announcements in the past week or two about, you know, test optional may remain at some schools or they're getting rid of the subject matter test. So the whole testing, I think, as we talked earlier, that was a big reason for the increase in the application rates at many schools. That was the increase in the number of schools that students applied to. Yes,
1: yes. was another thing. Instead of eight, people were throwing out applications. I mean, I had people apply and I didn't advocate for this. I did. I can't control what someone's going to do, but if somebody applies to like 30 schools, yes, I definitely had people do that. And I'm always upfront. I'm like, Hey, you know, you're not going to every single one, but I do think that you're right. People said, Oh, I don't have to send any scores. I mean the other the other issue is now you're writing so many essays you can't even imagine but like but no you don't have to send scores so
0: absolutely that's the other thing you know it applying to 20 or 30 you have to keep in the back of your mind that that's 20 and 30 additional essays but if you were to say okay given what we just went through with the yeah. applications with the testing optional is there any other advice or approach that you're suggesting and advising your students on?
1: So what I would say, and this is where the, doing the research is really important, is there, there is an organization, which is a great organization called Fair Test, and they advocate for eliminating testing. Before COVID, I always was on that site and finding schools that are test optional that, again, have committed themselves to this mission. The thing with COVID is that I don't like I've been I don't know that that site there's nothing to tell you on that site right now. Oh, this school's only test optional for this one year or for these two years. So it's more you have to research each school and look on their site and see what are they saying. And like some schools the language is different like UVA it said I looked the other day. We will be test optional for at least 2021. Okay. So what does that mean and when are you going to reveal what what the next step is? So for kids I am basically saying yes, you should probably still take the ACT and or SAT. However, if you didn't do well or if you know you're not going to do well, there are all of these great places that were already test optional before COVID that that's probably what you should put on your list because I don't know what's going to happen with these other places. I mean, and now, well, one, I mean, the University of California system, as we know, they have now they are test optional and then they're going to be test blind. They might even have their own test. I don't know. (laughs) But um, yeah, it's about really spending the time to do the research and make sure that the colleges, um, whatever their policy is, is going to work for you.
0: And and I'm going to go back to your role in admissions
1: again. So give it
0: any advice for students on, you know, how to craft their common app, their activities, a different approach, just because they weren't able to do all these things that so many students had planned on, whether it was sports, whether it was leadership opportunities, you know, there was so much, is there any, any advice that you're giving to students on that approach in terms of you know still staying engaged and still being active in your community but there's other ways to do it
1: yeah so i mean there's two things on the common application or any application there's it now there's a covid section and i can't imagine they'd take that away like that was for this this cycle they had a section that said if you'd like to share anything about how you've been affected during this time period, you can do that. There's always an additional information section. And in there, you can say, I was supposed to have this shadowing opportunity at a hospital, but I couldn't, obviously, or anything like that. Or I was supposed to attend this Model UN conference and present this paper, but that got canceled. That's okay to share that information it's better i think in admissions from the admissions officer standpoint we want to know more information we want we want to understand the whole picture as opposed to just assuming we'll fill in the blanks so that's one thing but other ways like how do you get engaged become engaged in in your school community things like that in ways that are different well I've had students who were really interested in, or really involved in orchestra, let's say, who like last spring, when everything got shut down and they could no longer attend or be part of concerts and all these things, they took it upon themselves, a few students, to do these outdoor, socially distanced kind of concerts for nursing homes where they're separate from the residents, but they're bringing joy and 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 that kind of thing to people. So that's that was nice. Like last night I was talking to a student who he reached out to his former elementary school principal and said, could I do virtual tutoring for just because he wanted to, and he couldn't because he was supposed to have this job and that didn't, obviously that's not happening right now. So yeah, and the the principal spread the word amongst the teachers and virtual learning is such a challenge for most people right now that they were so excited and clamoring for it. And now he's like, yeah, it's really fun. And I'm helping these fourth graders. And so I guess what I would say, the rule of thumb, what is your passion that you already have? You know, what are your strengths? How can you give back to others and and stay involved in the things that you enjoy in a safe way?
0: I always say that the opportunity comes out of failures or disappointments. So right, silver lining too that some students and individuals and businesses found ways to really grow, learn in a different way, and and right. build upon their strengths. And one one other question: Is there any other are there some schools, you talked about, that we all know the difficulty with um, virtual learning and being remote. Were there any schools in particular that you know from, I know you also help students who are looking to go to grad school, that just crushed it and that have done a great job with up in their game and providing a type of learning environment that's keeping students engaged?
1: I, you know, I don't, I haven't heard as much about that, to be honest with you. I, my sister-in-law actually went to Hamilton college in upstate New York. And she said, cause it's so that's a very small school and they've actually been in person this whole time. And it's been fine actually, because it's a small school. So yeah, I also know like Northeastern did a, a good job of it. Um, look, everybody had to learn so quickly about uh, with all of this that, I mean, of course, there were going to be schools who didn't get it right. And some that did. And it's just been, I mean, (laughs) I just hope by the fall that things are like more normal, which I think it will be. I hope. Any other tips that you have? Um, yeah, so what I would say, just this kind of goes back to passions and strength. Once COVID, once everything shut down and it was quarantine and people just didn't know even what to do, I started looking at, okay, what can you do? Like, what can you control right now? And and I, I went back to what I said earlier about love of learning and intellectual curiosity. So one thing that I started telling my clients to do, and this is purely out of a love of learning intellectual curiosity, is you can audit these free online college courses on all these sites, Class Central, Coursera, just purely because you want to learn and get get a sense of what's it like to take a college course, you know, and it's, you can, uh, for these, a lot of these um, classes, you can pay for a certificate, but that's really not the point. The point is you're, you're thinking about what maybe I want to do in the future. And then again, um, when you do fill out the applications, you can say, well, I decided to take this class just because I had extra time and I wanted to learn about this subject. That's only gonna help you in this process. And, And then it could actually even spark a desire to major in something. Like there's a girl I'm working with uh, she thinks she wanted to do something in terms of the environment, environmental science, environmental studies. We found this class on paleo, paleo, paleobiology, like the biology of dinosaurs, through like the University of Alberta in Canada she loved it. She's like, this is the best thing I've ever done. So I'm like, well, maybe we should add Alberta to your list. I don't know. (laughs) So I don't know. So you just don't know. I guess that's my advice. Let yourself like explore, let yourself be uh, surprised um, by what you find. And, but it's also okay to just read a book or like take a walk. I don't know. Like you don't have to be high pressure.
0: Overprogrammed. I, that's one one thing I always think, and I try to remind my kids is that you know just do something because you just want to. Exactly. Doesn't have to fill a particular box. I think years ago that's the way we grew up. You know, you did you sat and read a book all day just because you wanted to read a book, or you went out for a walk on the beach, or went to the park to play just because you wanted to, and it was not wasted hours. And I think that's part of the learning that goes on. And sometimes you, you learn so much more during those opportunities or you give yourself a break.
1: Yeah. I mean, what just, I always have examples of this because when you write, I mean, yes, I I always do look at it still in the, in the guise of admissions, but it isn't, it is true. The over-programming stuff, they they don't really want to see that. Honestly, they, admissions officers don't want to just admit drones drones who like, all they do is study. All they do is like this one thing. So I'm always telling students, like when we brainstorm essays, I want to find that story that tells who you really are as a person. And like one of my kids loves geography. And he like started the essay talking about how he has a map of the world on his wall. And he has his sisters quiz him, where they cover up the names of the countries and he has to name it he's gotten into some pretty, pretty selective schools. That's not even the goal, but I'm just saying like, he's been doing that since he was in third grade, just because it's fun. He, he has like geography books. Like it's just fun. He likes it. So yeah, that should always be the guide. Like, do you like it? Is it bringing joy to your life? Is it helping you as a person and, and others? And that's guide yourself by that.
0: I like that. We're going to keep that on our Little uh, (laughs) note, it's something that um, everyone could stand to take mention of. So, Christine, what do you wish you knew before you attended college?
1: I wish that I knew that I didn't have to have everything figured out by the end of college, that I didn't have to have like some perfect job. You know, I went to a school, Columbia, it's very high, it can be high pressured. absolutely. And I loved it. I loved every class that I took, well, for the most part, but I did. <laughs> but I remember toward the end, feeling this pressure of like, what are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? And fortunately, like my parents a lot, you know, I, I went home at that summer and then I like taught English in Prague, which I had saved up money to do those to do that, by teaching swim lessons. Okay. But then eventually you find your way. So I guess that's what I, that's what I would say, is you don't have to have every single thing figured out by the end, even.
0: It's such a relief to hear that as well. (laughs) It gives it, it takes the weight and the pressure off of of students as well. And I even say that as you're a high school student looking at schools, you don't have to work, you don't have to have your major. If you don't have your major, don't throw up your hand and be undecided because that will allow you to kind of explore, like you said.
1: Exactly, I mean, and I remember having friends that immediately like right after we graduated went into very intense jobs and they were miserable, absolutely miserable. I mean, you have to have a job of course, but like they thought, this is my career. This is what I'm doing now. And maybe not realizing there's a lot of steps along the way. You're not going to know how the dots are going to connect. I never thought I'd be a college counselor with my own business. I never thought that in my life, but it all works. (laughs) It all works out. So last question
0: is, you just went on this long college trip, so is there a favorite dessert on a college campus that you would recommend if <laughs> our, one of our families were visiting that they would have to go to?
1: Well, I guess that's one hard thing, though, of when I was visiting is, you know, I couldn't go into any of the buildings. Yeah, that's, that's hard. Or there's
0: surrounding communities. <laughs> Since I know that when I go to Wash U, I'm going to- oh. ch- because that ice cream was to die for. Like, I would make a trip through St. Louis just to go to Ted Drew's.
1: (laughs) So there was a coffee shop in at University of West Virginia that I will send you the name of. But it was this really cute little coffee shop. And the coffee was great. And they had really good muffins. And I talked to some really nice students in there with our masks on, of course. And they were both like, one was from New Jersey, one was from Pennsylvania. And I was really impressed by that campus, University of West Virginia. Very impressed. It's beautiful. And they were both like, oh yeah, like when we told our friends we were coming here, they couldn't believe it. They're like, West Virginia? So then they both came there and they loved it. So I also want to tell people to keep an open mind. I always say that to kids. They have this sometimes... a Very narrow scope. I only want these kind of schools. I only want this part of the country. But have an open mind. You just might find something that's really great.
0: Absolutely. And I always say go off your list. If you're traveling, when the opportunity comes up and we can travel more regularly, always pick a location. If you're going to a particular school and there's a couple places along the way, just do a drive by. You never know what might pique your interest and what you might learn about it, whether you hate it or like it, it's something else that information that you could use.
1: Exactly. Yeah, definitely.
0: Well, Christine, thank you so much for joining us today and providing all this really rich information to help not only the current high school students as they navigate the next couple months, but also if you're a junior out there, how to kind of hit the ground running and approach the college journey with some more information that they had.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And I really like what you guys are doing at College Scoop. So I will keep spreading the word.
0: Thank you, Christina, for joining us today. As we know, this is a nerve-wracking time for high school seniors as college decisions are being released. This year is not a normal year, and many colleges experienced a significant increase in applications unlike ever before. Waitlists are expected to be annoyingly long. Many students are trying to make decisions on schools they have never actually stepped foot on. Remember, students, it's not personal. Colleges were overwhelmed with the number of qualified candidates applying for admissions this year. If you are waitlisted, follow the directions for each and every school. Take a look at the schools you were admitted to and congratulate yourself and get excited for your next adventure. You can find all of our show notes and links to the helpful resources mentioned throughout our conversation on our website at collegescoops.com slash podcast. You can learn more about Christina on her website at cwcollegecounseling.com. Please take a couple of minutes to rate, review, and subscribe to College Scoops. Thank you for listening to our College Scoops podcast. Our entire College Scoops team strives to make the college journey a little bit easier, less stressful, fun, and tasty by sharing all the inside scoops we have curated along the way. We would love to hear from you about topics to cover and your ideas on everything college-related. Reach out to us at collegescoops.com or follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook.